Hello, Gap Year Universe. I'm Julia Rogers. And I'm Margot Brookfield. Welcome to Gap Year Radio, the show that brings you information and inspiration to plan a life-changing Gap Year adventure. Today, we have the pleasure of hearing from an accessible travel advocate named Joelani Marin. Uh, in our conversation, Joelani shares her personal journey as a traveler and also offers invaluable insights for individuals with disabilities who aspire to explore the world and take their own Gap Year adventures. Julia, I'm so glad that we have Joelani on the pod today and to be able to touch on this super important topic. So um, during the conversation, Joelani recounts stories from her time studying abroad in London and discusses how she overcame the challenges of traveling as someone with a physical disability. In her role as an NYU Global Equity Fellow, she also discusses how she contributed in designing the NYU London Access Culture Guide, which sheds light on the significance of providing comprehensive information for travelers. Yeah, it, she really was a architect of that guide and was inspired by other people who created similar guides so that people with disabilities have more access points and information about traveling in these places based on her own experience. So th- so hearing about that was really fascinating and she's such a a leader and she's really inspiring to hear from and she also talks we you know we talked a lot about how having a physical disability, uh, how you see the world differently and how people who maybe don't share those same challenges can understand how physical spaces and the design of physical spaces impacts individuals with disabilities and how as a travel industry, as a tourism industry, and as the gap year industry, we can understand the importance of inclusivity and also work to you know take down those barriers for people and make sure that as many people as want to take gap year types of experiences can. I love that this is something that you were able to touch on with Joe Eleni, Julia, because as we were discussing, I think that sometimes this information isn't as readily accessible to folks who are looking at gap year options or who are looking at international travel or study abroad options. And so I think the more awareness we can bring to, as you mentioned, accessibility in these spaces and making those resources available to folks to figure out what program or opportunity might be the right fit for them based on their needs um, is such a huge access point. So I'm really excited to hear more about all of the enlightening things that Joe Eleni can share with us. Definitely. And I think that you know whether you are a person who has a disability who's interested in a gap year experience or travel in general or you are someone who works in the gap year industry or an educator or a parent who understands the importance of of access in this way it's going to be an episode for you because we touch on all of that during our conversation awesome great well without further ado let's get started thank you all for being here Welcome, Joelani. How are you today? I'm doing good. So I'm really excited to have this discussion with you because talking about accessibility is such an important aspect of inclusive travel, of course. But, you know, before we get started, I also wanted just to mention that there are a lot of issues related to accessible travel based on an individual person's disability. And I just wanted the, the listeners to know that as Joy Lenny and I talk, we'll be speaking specifically to her journey, but we'll also try to offer tips and resources that might be more widely applicable to other travelers with, with other kinds of disabilities. Um, but to get started, you know, I'd just love to hear about your journey becoming a traveler and what you consider your first formative travel experience. Um, yeah, that is a great question. Um, I think actually my first formative travel experience was coming to the U.S. 
Um, I was born in Dominican Republic, um, and I moved to the U.S. when I was eight years old. And so that was my first time on a plane, uh, first time going to the airport, first time, like, understanding what traveling was. I remember that I was very scared when um, TSA took away my teddy because mm. I did not understand why they would need to check my teddy. Um <laughs> but it was it was definitely the first time that I had been in an airport and had sort of had that experience. So um, and then coming to the U.S., uh, once I landed, um, being surrounded by people that were speaking a different language, um, seeing things that I had not seen in my country, um, looking at like different equipment uh different forms even the yellow taxis seem to be like something very new and different for me um so i think that definitely when i think of uh what was the most impactful or interesting travel experience was um moving to the u.s that's sort of how things got started yeah that is, I mean, in New York is a very, it's sensory overload, right? So of course, for a kiddo, that's got to be, you know, you're taking it all in and everything would be, you know, quite different, of course. And yeah, the smells of everything is just overwhelming in New York. <laughs> yes, in fact, it is. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, Fast forward to kind of your young adulthood, you were at NYU and you studied abroad in London. What it, That seems like it was also kind of a, a formative experience of kind of that different type of travel of, you know, um, I guess that opting in of, tra- of studying abroad. And so what were some of your favorite memories of that experience and, and what do you feel like you, you gained from it? What did you learn about yourself? Oh, that is, that is a loaded question, to say the least. Um, I learned so much about myself uh, during my time um, in London um, that sometimes I found I find myself uh, reflecting on the experience and learning something new about what it was like. Um, and for this, when I say this, I mean um, that I really. Yes, I decided to study abroad, so I chose to do that, but I didn't really know um, how much I was going to learn from the experience. Uh, My favorite, uh, favorite and most challenging part of studying abroad in London was um, being able to understand how to navigate a new city with being able to navigate a new city and think about access in terms of um, my disability and my experience. So for those listening, I um, am a manual wheelchair user. um, And I also have uh, what I call a power assist, which is essentially like a big um, power wheel in the back of my chair that I can put on it and detach whenever I need to, uh, and it works with a watch. Mm. One of the most challenging parts of being in London was learning how to navigate the city. Mm. Um, The sidewalks, 
the different uh, cobblestone pathways. Um, and I remember that before deciding to study abroad, thinking about whether I was going to be able to navigate the streets was definitely in the top of my mind. And so when I was, once I was like a month into being in London and I felt comfortable like going from home to my um, academic site and going to different locations, exploring London, when a month being into London, when I felt comfortable navigating the city, it hit me that access was different, um, but it didn't mean that it was not not there. Uh, one of the one of the like most concrete examples that I can share in terms of that is that as a New Yorker, um, when I roll down the street, if I see a business that has a step or two. In front of it, for me, that means you can't get in. Um, and so with that mentality, I was in London and I thought as soon as I saw a step or two in front of a business, that meant that I couldn't have access to it. And I learned that in most uh, businesses or a lot of them, there would be little uh, doorbell buttons that you could hit to let someone inside know that you were needing assistance to get in um, and a lot of places had temporary ramps that they would place um, on top of steps to let you in or they had uh, side entrances uh, that they could open to let you in and for me that really changed um, the way I felt about my experience because it meant that just because I didn't immediately see an accessible way to get in did not mean that it was not possible. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I learned uh, was being more vocal about advocating for access needs. Um, so I was very used to just being able to tell whether something was accessible or not. Where in London, I really had to ask ask the question um, and then know how it was accessible or how it wasn't. Yeah, that kind of self-advocacy, I think, in the gap year experience as well is incredibly empowering too, to kind of just get comfortable with um, advocating for yourself on all different levels, you know, whether it's that kind of actual physical accessibility or even, you know, um, asking for certain accommodations during your, you know, study abroad experience um, for your learning style or needing to talk to a, a trip leader about uh, an interpersonal issue that might be going on on the program. And I think that that is definitely something that comes with age and experience and certainly being in a different situation where you really have to figure out how to navigate those issues. Yes, definitely. I, I think that I was an advocate before going to London. Uh, but London definitely improved and enhanced the way I advocated for access. Yeah, I, that's actually the perfect segue into, I want to hear a little bit more about your role as a Global Equity Fellow, NYU gave you that distinction, as, and then you designed the NYU London Access Culture Guide. So can you tell us a little bit more about that process of both becoming a fellow and your responsibilities in that role and how you came to design your guide? 
Sure. Um, so I was the first NYU London Global Equity Fellow. Um, the year that I studied abroad was the first year that they were implementing the program. And so I had the opportunity to serve as the academic sites, um, sort of liaison between students and staff um, in terms of creating and improving uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion resources for students as, long, as well as programming. So for example, I um, helped students facilitate discussions uh, that were in the theme of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I also, as part of my role, served as a, a point person if anybody had any conflicts or questions um, relating to DEI on site. My favorite thing about the site was that they had small guides that had information on like, hey, this is LGBTQ friendly um, locations that you can go to. Uh, here are some um, black hair care locations and salons that you can go to. Um, there were things like, uh, here are some um, markets that have uh, spices that are culturally different from what you typically see. And I remember thinking that in all of that information that there were there was no information about access. Um, and at first, honestly, I hesitated um, focusing my project um, on disability. Um, I think that one of the reasons that I struggled with deciding to make it disability focused is that oftentimes when you are vocal as a disability advocate, it becomes like part of your personality and sometimes the only thing that people see. Uh, and for me, um, it was important that people saw me as a whole student and not just the student with a disability. Mm. But um, when I was talking with one of my mentors uh, for the program, they were like, you have to understand that this information that you're trying to, you're deciding on whether it would be helpful or not to share or to do a project on is an information, is information that does not exist mm -hmm. right now. Um, and so, with that, I decided, okay, well, it's going to be disability focused. Um, and so my project ended up being um, the London Access Culture Guide. And what I did was really document my experience to an extent. Mm. I took pictures of all of the like tourist sites I went to and how they were accessible or how there was limited access. I took pictures of like all the theaters I went to, all the different activities that I participated in. And I offered very general and overview information about 
how access was provided during those experiences. Aside from that, I also participated in travel while I was studying. Like I traveled mm. to about six other countries. Oh wow. If I'm not forgetting <laughs> one hat. And so I also documented that experience of traveling to other um, European countries uh, while I was studying. And part of the access information I provided was what it meant to travel by plane, travel by train, um, and the different ways to get to the airport in terms and what were those access considerations I did um, take during those experiences. And so I documented that as well. Um, That's fantastic. (laughs) That's so useful. Yeah, I mean, my thought was that it it would be useful not to just like a student, for example, that would also be studying in London in, in other years, but let's say if they had any family members come visit and those family members had access needs, um, it would be a great way for them to understand and know. And so I also talked about public transportation in London, um, what it meant to take the tube, uh, what it meant to take the bus, um, what it meant to take cabs in London, and how accessible that experience was. And so I just took the opportunity to compile that information and put it all together in in the resource guide. Um, and and it was it was a project that I enjoyed doing because, I got the rest of the students and the staff at my site involved in terms of telling me what kind of information they would like to know, um, not specifically about access, just in general. Like if you if you were coming to London as a student, what is something you would want to know? And then I would add that and I would also look into the access aspect of it. Um, and it was very much focused on, on my experience. So the access information is mainly about uh, traveling to London with a physical disability um, as a manual chair user. Um, so, but I also encourage at the end of the, the guide for future students to, you know, change the, the the guide to fit more information about access yeah that is that is so wonderful and i'm we can link to that guide in the show notes i believe right you can get us a copy of that yes definitely. perfect yeah great so you know to to drill down a little bit more can you describe how the design of physical spaces affects persons with disabilities, especially physical disabilities, when it comes to travel. I think that a lot of people who have not experienced a physical disability or some sort of limitation in that sense don't even really look for it, right? They, they move through the world in a different way with, without that lens. So help us understand what that's like for you. What, do, what are the things you're thinking about as you're moving through a new space? It's a great question. And I think that the easiest way for me to explain what it feels like is that a a typical person that does not 
um, experience challenges with physical space will leave their home and just go about their day. <laughs> when when I leave uh, my home or the space that I'm staying in, I have to figure out whether the sidewalks are okay. Um, do I have to cross the street and even though where I'm going is on this side of the of the road? Mm. Um, do I have to do I have to take the, the the train? And if I have to take the train, are all of the stops that I intend to to go to accessible by an elevator? Um, if if I have to if I have to go into a business, um, do they have step free access? And if they don't, um, what is that going to be like for me? And so I think it's very hard to paint a picture that's easy for people to visualize because Mm. I've met people that have been living in a space for a a great period of time and don't realize that their space is not accessible. And it's just because they don't think about that that is not something that is part of their their experience and and i don't fault anyone for for not being able to tell that right away um but it is definitely something that is on the mind of uh, of someone like me who experiences it i think that um for for people trying to to understand access it's really about understanding how many people can access the space without needing to make an adjustment mm. so yeah. yeah that makes sense I don't, I don't know if that makes sense but it does yeah. it, it, you're making me think of kind of an analogy of of like a weather app that has layers and if you click on a layer all of a sudden you see precipitation or clouds or the the radar in a way that if you unclick it you don't see it and so it's like if you it it seems to me that it would be something like that where when you have a certain type of limitation that's you're always having that layer on versus a person without that limitation doesn't have that layer on and so they just see things differently because it's just the air it's just the air that you're breathing every day where you have to have those extra steps in mind yeah yeah, it's sort of like that, definitely. <laughs> I think that um, sometimes when I when I talk to other people about access and, and changing things to make it as accessible for as many people as possible, um, I just think of, I just tell them to think about um, different people and how those different people might be able to access or not have access to something that you're sharing. Definitely. And, you know, I mean, sometimes people have, you know, a temporary disability, you know, you break your leg or you have to be, you know, in a wheelchair for some sort of illness. And then all of a sudden you definitely notice. And and I think that people sometimes don't even realize it until they're facing it themselves or with a family member. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, disability is one of those um, experiences that only gets truly understood um, when you have a personal connection or experience with it. Mm. 
Well, you know, in your experience, I mean, this is something that I think a lot of people in the gap year industry and in the travel industry, they really want to want to help, right? They they want to understand more and they want to create policies and other points of access to make their opportunities more able more able to be enjoyed by by more people. So in your experience, what are some effective ways that the travel and tourism industries and to whatever extent we can talk about it, the gap year industry, which sometimes people think of as, you know, outdoor programs, um, but it's really way more than that. There's all sorts of cultural exchange programs. There's, you know, different types of um, internship experiences in global cities and things like that. So when we're talking about gap years, we're really talking about the swath of both domestic and international opportunities that one could engage in, you know, during their their young adulthood. But, you know, in, in that way, what can these opportunities do to become more inclusive and accommodating for travelers who have disabilities? That's a good question. Um, often, <laughs> I think that people believe that things need to be 100% uh, perfect for them to be accessed. Um, and I don't believe that. Um, there are people with disabilities living all over the world. So there's definitely ways of being in a space. Um, it might not be the way that you're used to, but there's definitely a way. Mm -hmm. And so for people trying to make spaces more accessible, uh, I would definitely say that indicating that you're thinking about access is a great way of inviting people without flat out saying it. Mm -hmm. um, I'll give you an example. So one of the ways that I tell people often specifically in like study abroad and those types of experiences to do is include information on how public transportation is accessible mm. in a country or a city or anywhere. Oftentimes, yeah. oftentimes uh, public transportation is something that's already there. Like it's, it's, it's like, one piece of information that everyone's expecting to know is how to get around, right? Mm -hmm. And so adding a link to how that uh, public transportation system is accessible is, is already an indication that you're thinking about access without flat out like saying it, hey, mm -hmm. we're thinking about access through this experience. Right. Um, and and do you include like messaging and like visual depictions as part of that, like marketing messaging, essentially? Yes. Um, although I think that, um, you know, unless you've had someone with a disability in your program um, that has generously <laughs> provided pictures about their experience, um, that kind of thing is very hard. Because sure, you can have a picture of someone in that country with a disability, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that your program um, is accessible. Right. No, no stock images, please. <laughs> yes, please. No stock images. Those are just misleading. Um, gotcha. But I, I think that it's also important to talk to people and, um, you know, offer times for open communication mm. in the sense that, you know, 
you don't have to have all the answers. You just have to have a commitment to making it work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. I'm also curious, you know, in both your, your wide travels during your time in London um, to all those other European countries and subsequent years, what are some of your favorite destinations, both just as a traveler, but also with that lens of accessibility, places where you found it just more fluid to, to move around? Um, what do you have to say about that? Oh, that's a tough question. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a very tough question, and I'll tell you why. Um, I don't believe in, um, I don't believe in labeling uh, sites accessible or not accessible mm. because the access needs that I have are very different to the access needs that someone with the same disability that I have has. And so it might be accessible for me, but not for them. And in the same breath, there might be someone else that does find a a place accessible that I don't. And so for me, um, and this is something that I learned at my previous job when I was working specifically on exchange, is that focus on what you want to gain from the experience. What is it that you want out of the experience? Do you want to be immersed in a culture? Do you want to learn a new language? Do you want do you want to learn about access? Is that something that you want to do? Um, and see how you can be in this space, taking into consideration your daily access needs. And what I mean by that is like, actually breaking down step by step how do you get around in a day and how that might look different somewhere Mm. else so yes i have favorite places that i've been um and i think it's less about the access of it and more about the experiences i had in that space right which are like what i'm just curious yeah i mean um i had tons of great experiences while i was abroad i got to this is very like a very strange part of my experience but um as a kid i went to a summer camp for kids with physical disabilities and i got to meet my camp counselors (laughs) while i was abroad like i had grown up Um, But they were living um, out in uh, Edinburgh, and I got to visit them as one of my trips, um, which was great. I got to go on an accessible gondola ride. Like, I just never thought that would be a thing, like, to be able to go on a, a, a... a boat with my chair. Um, Oddest experience I've ever had, but definitely a story that I always like to tell. Um, One of the hardest places to go in terms of my access needs was actually Venice Mm. Um, because it had so many steps and it was not easy. I was traveling with my brother, um, but again, one of my favorite times of that trip was going on an accessible gondola ride. Right. Um, And so it's like, yes, it had tons of steps, but the food was great and the experiences was great. And it's just, that's what I remember. Um, That's not to say I didn't have challenges 
it's just to say um, that definitely the highlights of my trips uh, were more important um, yeah. than than just focusing on on the things that were were difficult. Of course, yeah. No, that's. I think it's really important to separate those two aspects of it. it you know, for those the people out there listening who are thinking about a gap year or a study abroad experience or traveling at any point in their lives, but maybe they haven't they haven't treaded new ground yet and they haven't yet gone out to on their own as travelers, and they might be a little bit hesitant about some of those uh, challenges. What what would you say to them about going after it or or those things that kind of make it worth it in the end? Well, this is going to sound cliche, but <laughs> it's totally worth it. It's a life-changing experience, and you'll think it's cliche until you actually experience it, and then you're like, oh, damn, this is <laughs> this is a, a worthwhile experience. And so my, my advice is do it. Do it scared. Do it with hesitation. Do it unsure. Um, but do it because uh, you'll learn more from what you experience than anything else. I think, yes, it's important to feel prepared, um, but you don't have to be 100% prepared. Right. Yeah, um, who is ever, right, in life? <laughs> I, I know. If you wait for perfection, it's never going to happen. Mm. <laughs> So that that's my thought, but I definitely think that that there are so many resources out there. Um, you just need to look for them. Uh, I mean, m- my previous um, job was working at this nonprofit organization um, called Mobility International USA, and they have a ongoing project to increase the participation of people with disabilities in exchange experiences like gap years, like study abroad, like volunteering abroad. Um, And they just have what I describe as a library of information Mm. about the types of considerations that you can think about if you're traveling with a disability. the different types of opportunities for exchange professionals or counselors. They have tons of resources on um, how to advise a person with a disability. They have resources by disability. They have resources by by place. Um, and, and I just think it's very important um, to think about those access needs, but don't let that be the only thing that you think about. Just let it be part of your consideration. Right. That's a great resource. And are there other online platforms or any other apps or anything like that that you that you rely on or that you encourage people to look into as they're planning? Like, I mean, one thing that I'm wondering about is there like, are there apps that show accessible, like like a Google map accessibility function or something like that, that people can use for certain cities? Yeah, there is actually a Google map um, a feature that tells you like accessible routes within mm. the city. Um, if you select like the, I think there's like a, a little disability or like wheelchair symbol. Um, there's tons of apps uh, out there um, you just have to think about what it is that you need um, mm-hmm. and then look for 
an app and then you know there's there's lots of blogs i think that for me what i use were like i would find the app for transportation mm-hmm. and i would look at um, what those access things were um and things like that but just look for information and look for stories of people um that have been uh, where you're interested in going um to learn more about access yeah that's a really great those are great tips i think that that's um i think that the kind of like googling with certain keywords is such a good skill to learn too it's like I, instead of just kind of hoping the internet provides to you kind of being more specific about what you know that you what the information you need is <laughs> and then going from there um what about um like travel or gear tips um and this can be related to accessibility but not necessarily like what are your must-haves when you travel what do you love having um with you oh that's a good question um my travel must-haves are or and considerations are very very much um focus on my medical equipment Mm -hmm. so um i i hope someone finds this helpful but i know that uh as an avid traveler i have learned so many tips and tricks um to travel with a chair i um take pictures of my equipment um just before getting on the plane and like letting it go to uh still way um Mm. So I take pictures of everything because oftentimes equipment can get damaged in travel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you have picture evidence, you know that equipment was perfectly fine when you left it and it's not when you got it. Um, and it makes uh, getting those things fixed a lot easier. Mm, um, I, yeah, I travel with uh, my smart uh, power assist um, that I talked about earlier. And um, in terms of medical equipment specifically, there is no limit to how many carry-ons you can have. Um, And that means specifically in terms of medical equipment. So for example, I typically have two carry-ons, which is like a bag and a a suitcase or a a duffel bag um, to make carrying things a lot easier. Um, but I also have to place my uh, power assist in a duffel bag. So I carry a foldable duffel bag. I carry a lot of foldable bags, um, <laughs> now that I think about it. <laughs> but, but those are helpful because that means I don't have to, like, you know, go through security with three different bags. But I can secure my equipment just before going onto the plane um, and get a tag for my additional carry-on that says medical equipment. Um, and that can can help avoid a lot of mishaps in terms of travel equipment um, being damaged. And yeah. um, what else have I used? I mean, I, as a traveler, I'm always looking for new um, luggage, new ways to get around. I think that I've like had at least like five different bags or, or suitcase type of things that I travel with. Um, but there's definitely one out there that I'm aiming for that like gets attached to 
the back of my wheelchair so I don't have to um, carry it or play tricks with it on the airport trying to roll myself in it down. Oh yeah, that's that sounds. I mean, I I, I mean, what one of the cool things about this like new era of um, like entrepreneurship and and invention, I think, is that you don't even realize how many people are thinking about these things until they probably start populating on like your Instagram feed or yeah. you know, and these other places. And you're like, oh, I didn't even realize that they, that someone had solved this problem for me. Um, there's just so much creativity out there, and I see things pop up all the time that that address different access things. I'm like, oh, that's so clever. Yep, yep, I definitely come across those things as well. Um, so definitely, you know, try different things. Go on short trips. Um, so that you can learn how to, you know, navigate travel in general, um, and learn about your, what luggage works best for you. Mm, that's a great tip. Um, Joe Lenny, this has been such a great conversation. Thank you so much for, for taking the time to come on and, uh, and share, share your journey with us and also all of these really actionable tips. I think that a lot of people are going to be inspired by, by your travels and also some of the advice that you shared. Great. Thank you. Um, I did have one more thing to add. Yes. I was actually um, just going to prompt you with that. So go for it. Share. <laughs> yes. Share okay. Great. Um, so I, uh, one of the things that I had um, a, a, a bit of a challenge with uh, that I don't talk about often is um, travel equipment being damaged. Uh, I mean, medical equipment being damaged. Um, so my wheelchair broke down three times while I was abroad. Definitely made things a little more challenging. Yeah. Um, but this is to say that one of my greatest tips is to get to know your equipment. And I mean in detail. Like, mm. get to know names, get to know parts, um, and definitely make sure that your um, medical insurance is... Um, covers your equipment because there's, there's a lot of medical insurance that does not um, cover equipment out there. Um, and I guess one more thing um, is to have fun and enjoy your travels through the challenges. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to tell this particular story that um, one of my favorite, favorite absolute favorite trips while I was abroad was going to Barcelona. Mm. I, I went for um, my fall break with a group of five um, other girls. And it was my favorite trip. Um, but I also experienced a challenge there. And it was that um, I was on a tour bus. I got on a tour bus and I got on with my friends, so I decided to go on to the second story of the bus um, and be able to see everything uh, with my friends. And we had tons of fun. Um, just like, I don't know if this is like inner child in me, but we went to a lot of spots where the Cheetah Girls uh, were <laughs> recording. Um, and we were like making dance videos and like doing all this great stuff. But we got on that bus, and when I was trying to get out, um, the bus driver wouldn't pull out the lift for me to, to get hmm. off with my wheelchair. 
And I remember thinking, like, I'm not sure what the problem is because I got on using the lift. And he got into an argument with me about how if I was able to walk up to the second story of the bus, then I could walk off the bus. And I tried to explain to him, like, there's a difference. Like, I have my wheelchair. I can't just hop the bus. I need my lift. Um, and I, we exchanged words in English at first, um, and he had made some um, not very nice comments that were racially motivated and mm. um, sexist. And in that moment, I decided to switch up in the sense that I'm, Spanish is my first language. So I was understanding everything that he was saying, but he mm. was completely unaware. Um, And this was the moment in my abroad experience that I realized um, that I was learning how to find strength in the many identities that I held um, instead of seeing them as an obstacle. And I spoke to this person in Spanish and I explained to him that since I got on the bus using the ramp, for my safety, I would get off the bus using a ramp. Um, And we got, I think, a supervisor involved, um, but eventually I did get off the bus. And it was, I actually, I have a story written on this called Finding My Strength Abroad. And Mm. it was because in that moment, I chose to advocate for myself um, as a disabled uh, woman, as um, a person of color, as someone who knew that safety was the most important thing. And knowing that I was having fun on this trip and I did not want to let this one incident, you know, erase all of the great times that I was having. And that is really to say is that you can have fun even when there are challenges. Like my favorite part of that trip was definitely recording videos Mm. uh, with my friends uh, and taking pictures uh, at the sites where I saw my childhood movie, Cheetah Girls, just exploring the world. And that's what I remember. Like, yes, I remember that story because it took a lot of strength for me to advocate for myself. But all in all, my best time was the pictures and the and the silly, goofy time that I had with my friends. Thank you so much for sharing that story. I think that that, that encapsulates, I think, so much. Um, and also, I think the moral of that story is really empowering. So I think that that's a wonderful uh, note to end on um, because I think that stories are really what help us all understand different people's experiences. And also hopefully that anecdote can give somebody who's listening just kind of an insight into, yeah, how to have that perspective when you're traveling and, and kind of, um, you know, to, to persevere in some of the, in the face of some of those challenges, because the rewards that we get from travel are just so great, especially when you get to do it with friends. <laughs> yes. It's so fun. Well, thank you so much for having me. So you can find us here at Gap Your Radio on Instagram and Facebook at Gap Your Radio or online at gapyourradiopodcast.com. 
You're welcome to email us your gap year questions or comments at gapyearradio at gmail.com. And lastly, you can download our show wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And if you have a moment, we'd love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts so more people can discover Gap Year Radio. Now, be sure to check out the show notes from today, especially because we're going to include some of the great resources that Joe Lenny uh, mentioned, as well as some other ones that we think might be useful to our listeners. Okay, so now here's the point of the show that we always ask our guests to help us sign off in a different language, just saying thank you, goodbye, and any uh, word or phrasing that, that means something to you. So, Jolene, how are you going to take us out? Bueno, muchas gracias a todos y viajen porque es una experiencia especial. Muchas gracias to you too. Thanks so much. 